Welcome to the Building PA Podcast, the voice of the construction industry throughout Pennsylvania, presented by P.J. Dick. Here are your co-hosts, Chris Martin and John O'Brien. Today's episode is part of the series Better Project Outcomes, brought to you by Strategic Executive Consulting. This is an ongoing series of episodes from the Building PA Podcast, brought to you by P.J. Dick. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Building PA Podcast. I am co-host John O'Brien from the Keystone Contractors Association, joined by fellow co-host Chris Martin from uh, Pittsburgh, the western part of the state. What's going on, Chris? Hey, John. Good morning. Uh, Another lovely spring day out here in the western part of the state. And uh, as everyone has heard me say before, I'm Chris Martin, and I am with Atlas Marketing. And we tell stories for people who build things, and I am actually coming to you today from the Stalwart Insurance Group studio in lovely downtown Sewickley. And Stalwart is a health benefits and workers' compensation consultancy, and their team focuses on improving working capital through management of a company's insurance spend. And so I encourage you to check them out at stalwartinsurance.com. And I'm coming from... Quandel Studio, as you know, the construction management firm based in Central PA and Northeast PA, and they work kind of uh, in the mid-Atlantic states, Quandel Construction, uh, good company. Check them out as well, Quandel.com. So we We got two studios. That's exciting. We're we're moving up. We're stepping on up. You know, we're we're like the Jeffersons here. It's uh, it's good. We're uh, we're excited about all this uh, activity, and and as as well as those listeners who continue to support us. So thank you for that. And I, John, we've got a we're kicking off another series here today. Yeah, not only do we have a new studio, we have a new series we're kicking off here. We're gonna blow your mind today, people. So (laughs) watch out, watch out. So today we're going to kick off the Better Project Outcomes uh, podcast series. So this is uh, exciting stuff here. This is awesome stuff. I'm ready to get rocking and rolling here. This whole idea came to us from uh, from Bob, Bob Dresser, uh, the CEO of uh, Strategic Executive Consulting. Bob uh, approached Chris and I saying, uh, I might have an idea for a podcast series, you know, and everyone talks well, about Improving projects, getting projects delivered better, faster, safer, all that fun stuff. Um, but we've never really delved into the topic too deep. You know, we just kind of fly over it, you know, way above it, you know. But, but this series is actually going to delve into the weeds and talk about some strategic uh, lessons, strategic best practice sharing uh, advice. So I'm excited. Really excited. <laughs> this is really cool because not only are we going to learn a lot, but with Bob's experience and what he brings to the table from a variety of different things. I mean, one of the things he was talking about with us was um, the you know one of the one of the episodes that we're going to have in the future is staying out of litigation, which that to me is is massive. Um, yes. But I don't want to get ahead of ourselves. Absolutely and, not. And, yeah, let's let's first. Yeah. Let's introduce our guest here. Bob. There we go. <laughs> Bob Dresser, welcome to the show. Welcome to the Building PA podcast. Well, thank you so much for having me. It's, uh, you know, as a rookie podcaster dealing with a couple pros like you guys, it's a, it's my honor for sure. 
<laughs> we're real excited. Yeah. Yeah, so <laughs> yeah, great to have you. But for our audience, maybe take a take a little time here, introduce yourself. Who is who is Bob Dresser? Uh let me start out with my family. I think that's always should be first and foremost in our in our minds. Um I'm uh, I live in Mechanicsburg, Pennsylvania. Uh for those that you don't know, it's close to Harrisburg. Um I'm engaged. I'm 62 years old and engaged to a, a lovely lady named Linda, getting married in August. I have three beautiful uh sons uh who Two are in the correctional uh, business or world, if you will. And the other is actually a construction safety officer out in Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada. Um, I have five wonderful granddaughters. So about me and professionally, I will skip into I have 42 years in uh, the construction industry. Uh, the first 15 or 16, I was traveling throughout the Americas, North and South America, uh, Mostly United States and Canada, the pulp and paper industry in the field, uh, shutdowns, brownfield projects, new pro- new pulp mills back in the day. That, that's where the 42 years comes in as pulp and paper was booming back then. And then I got into leadership roles, uh, you know, up through project management. Then I ended up running construction companies and was uh, also officers with owners um, and EPCs, engine, large engineering houses. Um, uh, in management roles. Uh, and I ended up my career before I started my business actually back in the field again, running some fairly significant projects, um, in the United States. Um, one, the last one was a nuclear power plant project in Georgia. Mm-hmm. So, uh, I've also worked, uh, commercial, uh, built a 400, uh, person office complex with laboratories in it and things like that. So, um, I love to take my experiences and share them with everyone. And then thus I started out strategic executive consulting um, here in Mechanicsburg in 2016. Okay. Uh, yeah. So what's, what's kind of uh, the mission for this company, uh, strategic executive consulting? We are very focused on strictly helping or enabling uh, companies or projects perform better um, than they're uh, thought to perform or typically would perform. Um, you know, we, we don't actually come in and tell people what to do. We help uh, analyze how they're doing things now and uh, take our experiences and uh, also our current learnings. We're very engaged in uh, not only uh, Keystone Contractors Associations, but other associations throughout North America so that we are very current on best practices. Um, and actually, we help, we're helping companies right now implement uh, fairly large change in their companies or in their project methodology um, uh, to perform step improvement programs, if you will. Um, so... That's what we're all about is enabling people to do things better and that'll impact employees, uh, project outcomes, company performance. And, uh, we also like to celebrate with everyone when they're, when they're deemed successful and, and charging forward. And that's kind of what the series is about too, you know, helping companies perform better. 
Yeah, it gives us great pride to uh, see people improve and, and do things they uh, may, might not have been able to do without our help, and that's what it's all about. Yeah. yeah. This sounds like a great uh, partnership between the KCA and Strategic Executive Consulting because both are focused on that path of improvement and, and better outcomes and all those things. So it, it, this is a logical partnership here so it's you know welcome and and thank you for uh considering us yeah. it's strictly my pleasure you guys are a great vehicle to uh reach out you know instead of going one by one by one yeah. um, you guys are a great vehicle to reach out to the companies that are that matter to us and uh and focusing on pennsylvania boy isn't that a great test of building yes, yes. podcast. i love it Love no, that's for, that's from my heart. Uh, everyone listening, uh, that was not that was not staged at all. <laughs> nice. No money has been exchanged. No shaking yeah. hands. None of those. <laughs> we we did record it, and we're going to replay it every hour on, on the hour. <laughs> well, that's true. I like that. Well, Bob, let's kick off the series then. You had talked to us uh, before we hit record here about. Mobilization readiness. Can you kind of talk a little bit about what that means and, and how does that impact project outcomes? Sure. I'd be happy to uh, interrupt me if uh, you have questions or whatnot, and uh, we'll just roll with it. Um, mobilization readiness. So throughout my career and listening to many peers of mine, um, you know, one one thing that can really help. I'm going to take a positive look at it. We could go the other way. But one thing that really helps project be successful um, at the individual level, at the project level, and at the company level is if everyone's ready before they mobilize to a site uh, to perform. Um, so about, about seven or eight years ago, we were getting ready. Uh, we were in uh, early stages of design and whatnot, and we decided to tackle this head-on. Uh, having having contractors mobilized to site, not having all this IFC drawings or the, all the materials they need to hit the ground running and be productive right off the uh, right off the get-go, uh, we wanted to rid uh, rid that risk uh, from the project. Um, I guess I, I feel like I need to mention one thing that really does long term to a project. If, if, if crews and supervision start showing up on site and we're not ready and we have people standing around besides the obvious schedule and cost bleed that happens um, is the morale on the site just uh, starts tumbling down. People that go to work want to work, uh, generally speaking. Um, so. We came up with a mobilization readiness process, and uh, it worked, and it still works today amazingly well. The Construction Industry Institute at the University of Texas at Austin has adopted it as one of their best practices um, in their stage gate uh, process, um, and we're very proud of that. Um, but basically what it is is um, a list of things to make sure, and actually you do um, customize it per project. So if I hit on things that you don't need, uh, let it go, but you might want to add some things too. But the the uh, theory or the spirit of it is, um, do you have all your HSE documents? Do you have all your HSE 
personnel? Do you have all your HSE equipment, um, tie-off equipment, lanyards, all that stuff? Do you have all that ready? Is the engineering ready? Do you have a backlog of engineering that's IFC and um, the, the backlog will depend on the duration of your project. But if you have a project for a year, ideally, we like to have about three months worth of backlog of IFC drawings for the work that needs to be performed at the front end of the schedule. Is your site ready? You know, you might be the contractor that's going to site to prepare the site. Um, so do you have all those drawings? Do you have all that information is geotech done, et cetera, et cetera? Um, do you have barricades? Do you have your equipment? So it's a, it's a methodology and it's a checklist that we like to see signed off by the stakeholders involved with those contractors to say, yes, we are ready. And yes, that is an investment that does take time, which costs money, but the payback or the risk avoidance is, is huge. We like to have our, pro- we like to have our contractors show up on site and go. We don't like yeah. standing around waiting. They, where, where's the, where's the water that our crews need to drink? You know, where is it? You know? Or where's the valve these guys need to install? Oh, it's not here. Um, you know, we look at predecessing activities. If you're an electrical contractor, you're probably not going to be the first one on site. Um, so is all the work done? in order for you to jump in and do your thing. And do you have the, do you have all your instruments? Do you have your cable, you know, et cetera, et cetera. So um, mm-hmm. that's really what it's all about at a high level. Is there a, uh, a firm that kind of takes the lead on this checklist? What general contractor or does an owner at times take the lead or? That's a great question because the, everything a contractor needs to hit the ground running, you know, it involves the engineer or architect. It involves the owner. Uh, it involves contracts. Um, it's unbelievable how many subcontractors we've seen mobilize sites without a signed executed contract, for example. Um, and the risk <laughs> ties right into avoiding litigation, doesn't it? Yeah. <laughs> but uh, but, <laughs> but uh, all kidding aside, um, we like um, the contractor, the general contractor to take the lead on it. Each subcontractor should take the lead of their own component or their own mobilization readiness process and have the GC sign off on it. However, when it really works is that the owner uh, signs off um, as well. It's a great communication tool for the owner. Uh, the checklist is not just used at the end, right before a contractor is going to mobilize. We use it throughout uh, early early planning and so that the contractors know, okay, we have to do these, whatever, 12 things, right, HSE plan, uh, quality inspection and test plan, whatever it may be. And they know about it early, and we, tr- we traditionally track progress. So an HSE plan might be 30% complete, but they might have two more months before they mobilize. That's fine. So um, also the owner, what we, why we also want them engaged is a contractor might need help. And, you know, it's in the owner's best interest to jump in a proactive manner and say, hey, look, we'll provide some help here. We'll, 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 we'll take care of you know, helping you with the HSE plan or helping you with construction site ready, you know, as a site ready or things like that. 
Bob, do you find that owners are uh, want to avoid that element? It depends on the contract, the the real the, the contract itself. Some contractors or some contracts put that onus on the contractor, and they, that contractor accepts that risk, if you will, and they like to manage it themselves, and the owners stay at arm's length. If you're into ITP, uh, IPD-type um, contract styles where you have a collaborative team, the owners typically love um, participating, not just overseeing, but participating in the mobilization readiness process. Um, it's a great, they, they will know exactly where the contractors are in a very timely fashion. Um, so they'll know where there's areas of risk or, or where there's opportunities to, um, esc- or advance the schedule perhaps. Um, engineering might be well advanced. Um, contractors might be very ready. They might have all their craft and supervision and staff and, uh, the owners need to know that and they'll say, Hey, look, let's, let's, let's expedite this procurement of these materials so that we can get going earlier and pull the project ahead and save some money. You mentioned earlier, probably the, the key word here to the whole series, I think, which is risk avoidance. Mm-hmm. Can you talk about how risk avoidance and its impact on, on the mobilization element? Can you talk a little bit about how that how that impacts the process? Uh, sure. I guess I'll, my brain, when you were asking the question, it went right to a typical, say, level three schedule. Um, and everyone keeps their eyes on the schedule to various degrees. Um, so if you know that two months from now, uh, Joe's contracting contracting firm is going to be mobilizing, um, you will know via the mobilization readiness process where they're at and where all those others are involved are to to allow Joe's contracting to mobilize, right? So is, is Joe's contracting's engineering and design and all that, is it ready? Do they Are they going to have their materials? You'll know all this in a in advance, do they have their work package? Are they working on their work packages for their first few weeks or few months of activities on site? So it is a huge risk avoidance uh, mechanism, and that's exactly why we buckled down and came up with this. Uh, like I said, about eight years ago, it was actually what we were doing then was we were building a fairly substantial uh, brand new refinery outside of Edmonton, Alberta, and. Uh, we got, it was very construction driven. So the owner, which I was part of the owner's team, um, I was the construction director. We brought in many subject matter experts and they all had their ownership of whether it's HSE or quality or engineering or project controls or whatever it may be. And they made sure that the con, they helped the contractors, um, be ready to mobilize. And the owner in that case, which was us, me, and some others, would actually sign off before the contractor could mobilize. And we made that a contractual requirement. It's interesting that you just referred to the contract because I know that's one of the things that we're going to talk about in the ongoing series. But how often do you feel that that going to that length 
of establishing the contract and as it relates to the mobilization component of, of a project that it has to be language in the contract. I, I, I guess my, my quick answer to that is depends how much risk there is on the contract. If you go That's into right. a, if you go into a project and it's, you all know it's a, I don't like this term and actually it has legal ramifications, but the fast track project and it's a very compressed schedule. You may want to make it, uh, obligatory. If, if you have very good relationships and you have very tr- good trusting relationships and you know that your contractors, uh, performs with excellence time and time again and you know that your engineer and architect, uh, perform in the same manner and you can count on all your supply houses and your supply chain and all your procurement activities and all that stuff, you, you might want to just Introduce it, but not make it contractual. You made mention yes. about a, a checklist that could be used during pre-con to help with the, this whole process. Um, and it's customary too, where you could change it, you know, kind of per project. Are there, are there kind of common fields that are edited or changed? You know, I guess that depends on whether it's commercial or a power project or, you know, different. Yeah, I, I'd say it's probably more of the terminology that would be tra- changed. Um, terminology between heavy industry, heavy industrial projects and light industrial and going to healthcare or commercial terminology changes a great deal. That, that's easy stuff. Um, once again, it's the intent. So when we sit down with a, a contractor, an owner and an engineer architect around a table, and we start introducing this, it, it just flows. And two hours later, you'll, you'll have 80, you know, the, the 80 20 rule, you'll have the 80% of it um, pretty well identified. And, but the, we start with a checklist. We have a template that's about four or five pages long, um, that's broken down into uh, functional areas. Um, you know, other ones I haven't mentioned yet are labor management and staffing. You know, that's critical. I've, I've seen or listened to some of your podcasts around workforce development and things like that. Uh, project controls. I mentioned common site services or the site infrastructure itself. Um, do you have your construction strategy? Do you actually have a good sound plan coming into, into, uh, before you mobilize? Does everyone know the plan? Um, you know, you have it, having a document that's called a construction execution plan or a project execution plan and putting it on a shelf, that doesn't really do anyone any good. So the training component of that is important. Commissioning or startup or, or, you know, do you have a plan for that that ties into the overall sequencing of construction? And when do you shift from area construction to systems construction? Things like that. And how does that happen? And who's involved with it? Um, contracts. I mentioned, you know, not mobilizing until you have executed contracts, but what, what type of contracts are best for that particular project? It might be very collaborative type contracts. It might be multi-party contracts, um, where everyone's going after the same, same carrot, so to speak, with the same key performance indicators and, and measurement tools. Um, or it might be the old traditional block and chain where, it might be hierarchical, which we don't prefer right now. But without going down that avenue, um, you know, 
Uh, I mentioned quality. Do you have, you know, simple things like do you have a, a meeting schedule, a meeting cadence um, so that everyone knows in advance, block off your calendars. Here's what we're doing. Do you have a on, you know, staff on site plan? Um, we like to see the staff sitting in the office um, get out on site on a regular basis and having a plan where that's part of their job scope uh, is really effective and the craft love. Love it when the staff get out on the site and uh, care about them and care about what they're doing. So we find benefits to that. Uh, management overview. Do you have what's your steering committee look like? Um, you know, and, and what executives need to know what? Um, that should all be planned out and uh, allow the executives to chime in, right? Hey, you don't, I, I want to see this too, or I don't need to see that, you know, <laughs> things like that. And then, you know, things like field engineering. I mean, so, so it's a fairly comprehensive template we start off that can, is easily, com, uh, customized. It's, uh, right. to, to cut to it, it's a simple Excel spreadsheet. Getting, uh, the project ready to rock and roll and, and flawlessly be executed. So. Yeah. The, the one thing, if I may add, the one thing that we do come across, um, is it does, take time, i.e. cost money, in the front end of a project to do this well. Um, it's an investment. Um, we we uh, have seen a proven time and time again that it's that the payback in the investment is just huge. But if an owner or a GC is not used to doing this stuff, if you will, on the front end, they're just going to, they may just see dollars and cents. So, uh, we can demonstrate quite easily uh, a good payback um, based on previous experiences. And that's, to tell you the truth, that's why the Construction Industry Institute, CII, at the University of Texas has adopted it as a best practice. Well, it sounds great. And uh, it's just a tip of the iceberg for this new series, for the Better Project Outcome series. I'm excited for the series. How about you, Chris, in, in your new studio? I, yeah, the, 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 the new studio is loving this, and I'll be honest with you, I've got a page and a half of notes that I've just learned so much about, you know, I know how we manage projects on our end in terms of advertising and marketing, and this just amplifies it. So, um, Bob, this has been fantastic. Thank you. This has been really a great, great first step into a, a broader, better project outcome series. Well, hopefully you can sense it. It's a lot of fun for me. We love to share. Um, it's all about giving and uh, and helping others, and uh, that's what we're here to do. Good. We're looking forward to it. You took the words right out of my mouth, partner. Yes. Uh, thank you very much, and you can hear more of our previous episodes and more future episodes at buildingpapodcast.com. Thank you for joining the Building PA Podcast, presented by PJ Dick. To stay up to date, follow us on LinkedIn and Facebook, and visit buildingpapodcast.com to subscribe to upcoming shows. Thanks for listening.